that you are walking with God. That's the subject for our consideration. That's the title of the message this morning, how to know if you're walking with God. And for those of you who have um, come here this morning for the very first time, let me ask you to join with our church family by opening your Bible to Exodus. That's the second book in the Bible, Genesis, Exodus. Turn to chapter 7. In just a few moments, we're going to stand together and read one verse, the sixth verse of Exodus chapter 7, as we think together this morning about walking with God, how to know if you are walking with God. It's an important question, isn't it? I can't think of anything more important for any of us here this morning than to know that we are right with God, right in the center of His will, walking according to His plan. I'll be honest with you, most people live with a nagging sense that they are not walking with God. Most people live with a nagging sense as they come to the close of every day that for the most part during that day they have been disobedient to God, they have been out of God's will, they have not done as God would have desired for them to do, planned for them to do, and as a result they've missed some of God's blessings. Well, there's no reason for you to live that way. You can walk with God. God's will is findable, it is knowable, it is doable by His grace. You can walk with God through the balance of your life. No matter what has happened in the first part of your life, from this point, today, in this service, you can begin a walk with God. And you can look back at least across the balance of your life and say with the Lord, now there, I was walking with you. There I was surrendered to your will. There I was in harmony with your plan for my life. Now we're going to dive into a place in the scripture where we find Moses having a meeting with God. Really, I should say that God is having a meeting with Moses because God has set the agenda for this meeting and is giving Moses some specific instructions. It all happened when Moses cried out to God in desperation. Moses had been trained in Egypt for the first 40 years of his life and then trained on the backside of the desert for the next 40 years of his life told by God he was to deliver the children of Israel from the bondage and from the slavery of Egypt. And so now he's back in Egypt at the age of 80. At first, the Israelites are terribly excited about his being there. They understand that there's going to be a tremendous deliverance. And then all of a sudden, life gets tough for them because as Moses confronts Pharaoh, Pharaoh just explodes in wrath and says, well, if you want to go out in the wilderness and worship, it means you have too much time on your hands. And so he began to tell them, you're to make more brick with less straw. Life had gotten very hard. And so Moses was out of favor with Pharaoh. Moses was out of Pharaoh with the Israelites. Moses had come back to be a deliverer and no one liked it. Moses went before God and he said, I don't know, I don't understand this. How am I going to do what you've asked me to do? And God begins giving him instruction. And we read those instructions in chapter 6, and then that instruction continues in chapter 7. And it's there we're going to find in the first six verses of this chapter how to know if you are walking with God. The Lord said to Moses, See, I've made you a god to Pharaoh, and Aaron your brother shall be your prophet. And you shall speak all that I command you. And Aaron, your brother, shall speak unto Pharaoh that he send the children of Israel out of his land. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart. On Wednesday evening of this week, I'm going to speak on that subject. What does that mean, that God hardens someone's heart? Do you know someone with a hard heart? What does that mean? I'll harden Pharaoh's heart. And I'll multiply my signs, my, my signs rather, and my wonders in the land of Egypt. But Pharaoh will not listen to you. 
that I may lay my hand upon Egypt and bring forth my armies and my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great judgments. And the Egyptians shall know. Literally, that means shall learn by watching you. The Egyptians shall learn that I am the Lord when I stretch forth my hand upon Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among them. Now let's stand together and read together aloud this sixth verse. And here we find how it is that Moses begins walking with God. Verse 6, let's read aloud together. And Moses and Aaron did as the Lord commanded them. So did they. Let's pray together. Father, we are trusting this morning that by an incredible work of your grace that Christ would be lifted up. And seeing him, we would acknowledge that we are nothing but clay. We are sinful, rebellious people who can only be saved by your grace, by faith in Jesus alone. And Father, I pray that every heart would reach out in faith to embrace Christ as Savior and as Lord. And having done so, Father, I pray that you would show us this morning what it means to walk with you. And Lord, may the testimony in, of this congregation for the balance of our lives be that we are walking with you. And Lord, may it be obvious to the world, just as it was obvious to the Egyptians and obvious to Pharaoh, may it be obvious to the world. May they learn that you are God most high. And you are the one in whom there is life and forgiveness and cleansing of sin. And is that through Jesus we may come to be reconciled to you and spend forever in heaven with you. Lord, show us those truths and show us what it means to walk with you. And I pray these things in Jesus' matchless, saving, and wonderful name. Amen. Thank you. Be seated, please. Keep your Bible open now. To chapter 7 of Exodus, how to know if you are walking with God. In the next few moments, I want to give you four characteristics of the individual who walks with God. Now, to be perfectly frank, my heart's desire is that God would create within you a hunger, a thirst to be a man or a woman who walks with God. That your desire would be that the balance of your life would be this testimony. That man really knew and loved Jesus. That woman really knows Jesus, really claims him as Lord, and lives the life. Doesn't just talk the talk, but walks the walk. And my prayer is that God will give you an insatiable hunger and thirst to do that. The Bible says, in fact, Jesus said, Blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness. And the word there in the original language means who hunger and keep on hungering, who thirst and keep on hung, uh, thirsting for righteousness. That is to do right, to be right, to be in right standing with God. What are the four characteristics of the individual who walks with God? Let me give them to you quickly. First of all, if you're an individual who is walking with God, your life will be characterized by what I want to call this morning authenticity. Your life will be characterized by authenticity. You will be an authentic person, a real person. You won't be a fake. You won't live a life that is a life of pretense. I visited with a man one time who said, I've got a problem. 
He said, my problem is that I am broke. I said, well, I'll buy lunch. That's no problem. He said, no, I am spiritually broke. He said, uh, let me explain to you what I mean. I have a reputation, a good reputation. I have made an impression. This man was a minister, a gospel preacher. He said, I have a reputation. He said, but my reputation with man is far better than my reputation with God. He said, God knows my heart, and God knows that inside I am spiritually broke. You know what he was confessing? He was confessing that there was a lack of authenticity in his life, that what he appeared to be on the outside was not what he really was on the inside. And the result of that was that ultimately people did begin to see through him. And ultimately people didn't take him seriously. And ultimately, by the way, this individual became a laughingstock, a joke to other people. His name became a byword, as a matter of fact, among other preachers. He wasn't an authentic person. Now, I want you to look at that verse, if you will, please, the very first verse of chapter 7. The Lord said unto Moses, See, I have made you a god to Pharaoh. Moses was not loved by Pharaoh, nor appreciated by Pharaoh. Moses was not loved nor appreciated by the Israelites. But Moses was respected by both the Israelites and Pharaoh. Now here's the truth that I want you to see, and I hope you'll write this down someplace on the tablet of your heart. The man or woman who walks with God may or may not have popular approval, but he will always generate respect. The man who walks with God may or may not have popular approval, but he will always generate respect. I was visiting with a man one time who uh, was the butt of a lot of jokes where he worked. He worked here in town, locally, at a, at a large industrial plant. And he was the butt of a lot of people's jokes because of his faith. He was just a very firm and resolute man when it came to uh, practicing, practicing his faith. And uh, he was uncomfortable around language that was profane he was uncomfortable when people were telling jokes that were raunchy. He didn't flaunt it, but he was just a man of deep-seated character. His habits uh, uh, were habits that, that were consistent with his faith. He made no bones about the fact that he was a Christian, and he made absolutely no bones about the fact that ultimately Jesus called the shots in his life. And if it was in the Bible, he was going to do it. And so at work, they would call him the Bible man, or they would call him preacher. You know, they, they had a lot of words to describe this man. He wasn't a preacher. He didn't want to make that. I mean, as a matter of fact, he wasn't trying to be supercilious and pious and holier than thou. He was just consistent. And he was the butt of their jokes. But did you know something interesting? Over the years, when various individuals with whom he worked had trouble in their home or with their health or with their pocketbook or with their job, one at a time, 
quietly they would come to him for advice. You see, God had authenticated this man's life at work. He had given him authenticity. Appreciated and loved and popular, not necessarily, but respected nonetheless. And so God is saying to Moses, here you are crying to me. The children of Israel have just lacerated you. As a matter of fact, their their, uh, lieutenants out there who are supposed to get them to do the works have just given you a tongue lashing. Pharaoh has just exploded in your presence and told you that uh, you're going to be the cause for the Israelite suffering a great deal. But I want to tell you something, Moses. I'm going to make you like God to Pharaoh. He may not love you. He may not appreciate you. But bottom line is this, Moses. He is going to have the utmost respect for you and the God you serve before the last chapter is written. And so the man or woman who walks with God has a life characterized by authenticity. Secondly, if you're going to walk with God, your life will be characterized by faith. People will know you as a man or a woman of faith. The next two verses in chapter 7 are very interesting to me because God is asking Moses to do something merely on the basis of faith. God is saying, Moses, just take my word for this. Just do what I tell you to do. It's, you're going to think that your life is going to break loose and fall down around your ears. You're going to wish some of the time that I'd never sent you to Israel. But take it by faith, Moses. I have a reason for this. Notice what he says here. You'll speak all that I command you. And Aaron, your brother, shall speak unto Pharaoh that Pharaoh send the children of Israel out of his land. In other words, he says, Moses, just keep telling Pharaoh what I've told you to tell him, that he is to let the children of Israel go. And here's what's going to happen. And just take this by faith, Moses. I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. Up to now, Pharaoh's just been indifferent to me. I'm going to get involved. I'm going to help him become the man he wants to be. I'm going to harden his heart. Why am I going to do this? I'm going to give you the opportunity, Moses, to use all those tools I gave you on the backside of the desert. Remember that rod that turned in the snake? Remember that time you put your hand into your your cloak there and and pulled it out and it was leprous and put it back in and it was uh, just uh, white and, and clean and healthy? Do you remember, Moses, what I told you about pouring out water on the land and it would become blood and the rivers would become blood? Moses, I want you to just go ahead and tell Pharaoh what I've told you to tell Pharaoh. I'm going to harden his heart. I'm not going to make it easier for him. And Moses, I'm doing this so that all these signs and wonders can be done. Why? Well... By doing those signs and those wonders, I'm going to get Pharaoh ready to let Israel go and Israel ready to go. Just trust me, Moses. Take it by faith. But God, he's already given me a tongue lashing. God, the lieutenants here have already told me that life's nothing but miserable since I showed up. It's okay, Moses. You just do what I tell you. And let me handle the results. 
Now, if you're going to be a man who walks with God or a woman who walks with God, your life is going to have to be characterized by faith. Now, I want to ask you a question. And I hope that God will somehow implant this question on your heart. I pray that you will never, ever get away from this question. This is the, the central truth of this point. Here is the question. What are you believing God for? Now, that's not good English. Good English would be for what are you believing God? What are you believing God for right now? Now, in the answer to that question, you are going to discover the measure of your effectiveness. What are you believing, God? If I were to come up there in that gallery, up there in that balcony, back there to the back, right here at the front, walk out here to you teenagers and say, all right, today, you're sitting here in this service. You got up this morning. You had a prayer time with God. What are you believing God for? What are you trusting God for? You say, well, I just, you know, pocket change or a meal, or I'm asking God for something silly. Or would you say this morning, Brother Tom, I'm almost embarrassed to tell you what I'm trusting God for because it seems so big. It seems gigantic. It seems so impossible. But God has put this on my heart, and I am trusting Him for it. Listen, in the answer to that question, what are you believing God for? You're going to find the measure of your effectiveness. How big of a footprint you're going to leave on this earth? whether you are really walking with God. You say, does the Scripture say that any place? It absolutely says that almost every place. Listen to this, Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. 1 Corinthians 14, 23. Why, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, quoting out of the book of Habakkuk, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Now listen, don't miss this. This whole experience, this adventure upon which Israel was going to embark, which would ultimately take them into the wilderness for 40 years, No grocery trucks coming in every day bringing groceries. God feeding them with manna. God feeding them with quail. God bringing them to places where there was water. This whole experience, God writes in the book of Deuteronomy the answer for those 40 years. He said, I have led you all this way for this single purpose so that you could learn that man does not live by bread only, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God does man live. What are you believing God for? How big is it? Someone said to me the other day, he said, Brother Tom, you really believe in God for some big stuff. I said, well, to start with, I don't think I'm alone. I think there are hundreds of other people in this church that are believing God that the numbers that are on this this uh, big banner over here will be transferred to this banner by the time this year is over. Believing God for that. Not just thinking, well, it'd be nice if it happened, but trusting that God somehow, some way, as God alone moves on people's heart. Somebody says, you believe in God for that? That's, that's really a big stuff. Well, I want to tell you something. In the answer to the question, what are you believing God for? You're going to find the measure of your effectiveness. 
Why believe God for little stuff only? You say, is he interested in little things? He's interested in everything. But there's some people that never get beyond the little things. Well, Lord, I'm just trusting you. You know, I just pray that, that uh, I'll get a date. I just pray that I can, I can, uh, I'll get a raise. Lord, I, I pray the weather will be good for the game. Lord, I'm just trusting. And there's some people who never get beyond that. And there are other people out there on the cutting edge of this world who are believing God for big things. You say, well, what if they make a mistake? I would rather make a mistake believing God than be absolutely accurate not trusting Him because without faith it is impossible to please Him. And faith is not some careless, reckless thinking of what you want and then saying, well, God, I'm going to trust you for that. Faith is operating on the basis of what God says. And Moses was told by God, look, take my word for it. You go in there, tell Pharaoh what I tell you to tell him. I'm going to harden his heart. Moses, I'm going to handle this. I'm going to harden his heart. You're going to have to do those signs and wonders. It's going to get worse before it gets better. But Moses, it's got to be this way because that's the only way Pharaoh will let you go and those people will go. Just trust me with this. Faith is a characteristic of the man and woman who walks with God. Number three, liberty. Liberty. The person who walks with God doesn't walk in license. I'm not talking about license, freedom to do whatever you think of. But in liberty, in liberty. Look at verse four, if you will. Pharaoh will not listen to you. I'm doing this that I may lay my hand upon Egypt and bring forth my armies and my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great judgments. He says, I'm going to bring you out. Now, I'm not going to bring you out if you don't, if you don't walk with me. I'll let you stay there in bondage. But if you will walk with me, I will bring you out. You can walk in liberty. Now, here's what I hope you will understand. Walking with God leaves you absolutely free to do all he wills for you. Walking with God leaves you absolutely free to do all he wills for you. Let me tell you something that ought to probe the depths of your heart. If you ever have said... You know, I, I believe God would like for me to do this. I believe that'd be his will for me to do that. But I can't. That means you haven't been walking with God. If you've ever said, you know, I, I think God would want me to do this, but I can't. That means you're not walking with God. I'm all tied up. I'm tied down. I have other obligations. I have other commitments. You're not walking with God. Because when you walk with God, you are always free to do all God wills for you to do. What else could you want than that? You're free to do everything that he wants you to do when you walk with him. He'll give you the strength. He'll give you the power. He'll give you the resources when you walk with him. 
And why would you want to not, why would you not want to walk with him? You say, well, I've got another way. I've got another plan. I've got another something I want to buy, another place that I want to go. Go ahead. Go ahead. And you're going to meet resistance because God always resists the proud. But if you want the grace that come to the humble, then you walk with God. And you'll find that everything he wants you to do, you can do. Everything that he wants you to do, you can do. You said, Brother Tom, I'd like to go on that partnership mission trip, but I just can't. What do you believe is God's will? Yeah, I believe it's God's will. I think he'd want me to go. I think it'd be a blessing. I think I'd lead other people to Jesus, but I just can't. Then you're not walking with God. I'd like to give my resources in a way that will be used of God to touch people around the world, but I just can't right now. Why not? Well, I've got other obligations. I've got other things that I'm committed to. Then you weren't walking with God. Because when you walk with God, you are absolutely free to do all God wills for you. Now, they're not free to do your will and his will unless your will is his will. See, the key is getting to the point where all you want is simply all he wants. Then all you want, you'll have. If all you want is simply all he wants for you. That's what the Lord's Prayer is all about. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as is being done in heaven. In other words, Lord, I see what your plan is in heaven. I want it transferred here to this earth. I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to walk with you through this. So walking with God means that your life is characterized by, by liberty. Have you ever met people who have a certain freedom about themselves? They're not all bound up. They're just not all tied up. It just seems, you know, they just say, well, what does God want? Well, okay, let's just go do what God wants then. Everybody else is saying, oh, you can't do that, man. There's no way to do that. You know, the sky will fall if you do that. It'd be crazy. No, God wants that. Let's just go do it. And there are people who are so tied up on the inside. I mean, if, you, if I got inside some of you tonight, you are tied up in knots at the thought of doing some things or not doing some other things. Hey, listen, the answer is just walk with God and you can do everything God wants you to do. You'll just be free. You'll just come out of bondage. And you'll walk with God. There'll be freedom in your life. Authenticity, faith, liberty, and finally, your life will be a witness. Your life will be a witness. Look with me, if you will, at verse 5. The Egyptians shall know, and the word there in the Hebrew, shall wake up and smell the coffee. I doubt that's the way the Hebrews would say it. But the word is, is to know. To know, they will learn to know. It doesn't say they'll suddenly go like that and just it'll be revealed to them. No, they're going to learn by watching. The Egyptians, he said, are going to learn what? They're going to learn, I am the Lord. When are they going to learn that? Well, Moses, they're not going to learn it just by you sashaying into Pharaoh and saying, let my people go, coming back to your tent and pouting because Pharaoh got upset. Moses, do you really want to be a witness to Pharaoh? Moses, do you really care whether Egypt ever gets the gospel? Do you really care if these people know that God is God? Or do you want to pack up and move out with them thinking their gods are still their gods and your gods are still your God? Do you want them to know that I am the Most High God? Do you really, Moses, care to leave a witness in Egypt? Well, yes, sir. Then walk with me. Because it's only going to be as you walk with me through the next several days, through all these plagues, through all this anger, through all this struggling with Egypt, it's only going to be that the Egyptians are going to get a testimony. They shall know 
that I am the Lord when I stretch forth my hand upon Egypt. That's when they're going to find out. And when I bring out the children of Israel from among them, that's when they're going to wake up and smell the coffee. That's when they're going to wake up to the fact that God is God. You say that it really worked. It worked so well that some Egyptians even went out with the Israelites. They became that convinced that God was God. Look, the ultimate end of walking with God is that others are moved to acknowledge him. The ultimate end of walking with God is that others are moved to acknowledge him. If you think that the primary purpose of walking with God is personal enjoyment, you are wrong. If you, let me say it again. If you think that the primary purpose of walking with God is so you can have a happy life and a meaningful life and a fulfilling life, you are wrong. The ultimate end of you living the life you live is that others may know that the Lord, He is God. That's the ultimate goal. That's the ultimate purpose. That others will know the Lord, He is God. Look at the experiences you go through with your life. The things that, that, you, that you experience, the good and the bad, the, the illnesses, the, the tragedies, the, the bad news, the, the way that you handle fortunes and misfortunes, the way all of this. Look at the way you handle those. When you walk through those, is the ultimate result that others know that the Lord, He is God? Is that even on your mind? Or is what on, is on your mind belly aching toward God? God, how could you treat one of your kids like this? This is the hardest thing I've ever gone through the world. You know, people would sure think better of you if you treated one of your kids better. Lord, why are you doing this? But you ought to stop and say, wait a minute. The doctor has just given me the word that is not the good word. Wait a minute. The banker has just told me something that is that's terribly frustrating to me. Wait a minute. My, my boss has just come to me with some awful news. Wait a minute. The coach or my... T- Wait a minute. Hold on just a second. I've just been, I've just been jilted. Wait a minute. What, what, what's going on here? I'll tell you this. The first question is this. God, how can I glorify you and leave a testimony through this? Because the ultimate goal is not me getting my heart encouraged... That's a byproduct. The ultimate goal is that I leave a witness that the Lord, He is God. That's a hard truth. Man, that's a hard truth. Because I'm so into myself. And I have such a tendency to think that God is either good or bad on the basis of how he's treating me at the moment. And so often I forget that what God is doing with me, he is doing with a purpose. And the purpose is that the world may know that the Lord, he is God. There's a statement in the Scripture about a prophet of God who was asked to go do something that was absolutely meaningless to him. And he was going to be turned down flatly, coldly at the end of it. Nobody was going to respond. And God said, I'm going to tell you something. This is going to seem meaningless to you. Nobody's going to respond. 
But I have one reason for you going in and doing that. They're not going to do a thing about what you say. They're going to have heavy ears and blind eyes. They're not going to, they're going to do one cotton-picking thing that you say. It's going to be the most frustrating thing that you've ever experienced. You're going to open your mouth and you're going to preach and preach, and it's going to be like preaching to a stone wall. But I have a reason for that. When it's all done and you've kicked the bucket and they're sitting around talking about the guy that's gone, they will know that there was a prophet among them. They'll say, well, you got to say this about the old guy. He sure had a big God. Didn't care much for what he said. Didn't pay any attention to it. But now that I think back about it, that man had something I didn't have. He was consumed by his devotion to a mighty big God. You want to walk with God? It's a life of authenticity. It's a life of faith. It's a life of liberty. It's a life of witness. And that life can begin for you today. So that one day standing beside Jesus, you can look back through the history of your life beginning on the 11th day of April, 1999. And you can say, Lord, I sure meandered around. Or a phrase we use, I moseyed along for so long. But Lord, that day in that service, I started walking with you. Father, I pray, believing, trusting that in this moment, your Holy Spirit will move in power in this place. Bring us, Lord, to this altar. Lord, I pray that you would bring to this altar those who would open their hearts and receive you as their Savior. Acknowledge that you are Lord. Trust in you, Jesus. For you died on the cross because we are sinners and separated from you. And the wages of our sin, the results of it is death, eternal separation from you. But you died for us. That's the way, God, you commended your love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And Father, I pray that this Jesus who died on the cross of Calvary and who's raised from the dead will be the Jesus whom many this morning will receive, trust in as Savior and as Lord. Bring others to this church family, Lord to be embraced, consumed by the purpose, the ministry of this church and love and sent out to witness, encouraged. Lord, bring others to this altar who will say, Lord, starting today, I want to be that man, that woman who walks with you. I, I want to have authenticity and faith and liberty and witness in my life. Oh, God, let me walk with you. Father, Somehow, by your Holy Spirit, just give an anointing to this invitation time, stirring hearts all across this auditorium. And then, Lord, put feet, put action to our lives as we come to this altar and find that this is a place where we can begin what we have forsaken for so long. I pray it in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Dear friend, if you've never trusted Jesus, 
Jesus who died on the cross for you, for had he not done that, you would have only one place to spend your eternity, and it would be the right and just place for you, and that would be hell, because you, like all of us, are a sinner. And the wages of sin is death. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God's eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, he became sin for us. You see, he who knew no sin. Christ also once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. And this living Jesus invites you this morning to trust him. Lord, Master, Savior of your life, and I would encourage you when we stand in a few moments and I say amen to the prayer and the choir begins singing this hymn of invitation, would you do this? You just step to the aisle. You may want to just get ready right now. Say, Lord, this will be the morning. I trust you. This will be the red letter day. This will be the day, Lord, I give my life to you. This is going to be that day when I know what it is to have my sins forgiven. I know what it means to be set on the road to heaven and start walking with you. This will be that day. And would you make up your mind in the balcony, on this lower floor, on either side, out of the choir, wherever you are, the moment we begin singing, you just step to the aisle, make your way forward, find a counselor and say this, today I'm trusting Jesus. Today I'm trusting Jesus. They'll pray with you and give you some information which will help you in your walking with God. If you're not a member of this church, I want to encourage you this morning to join this church. I believe Jesus is coming soon. And it'd be a tragedy for him to find you moving through some kind of buffet line of churches when you could plant your life in a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching, Jesus-loving church that wants to reach around this world with arms of the gospel. You could plant your life here. I would urge you to do that. You may not have even come this morning thinking, I'm going to join this church today, but I pray you will. I pray God will put it so heavy on your heart, you can't do anything but, but that. I pray that... That, that somebody will encourage you to do that if, if you're a little reluctant. And if they don't encourage you, I pray that God's Spirit would encourage you. And First Southern family, I would ask you to turn to friends and family members around and say, look, isn't this the morning you want to say yes to Jesus? And I'd encourage you to come and join this church this morning. Could be that you have a prayer request. Come find a counselor. Could be you want to join these prayer warriors who will be kneeling here at this altar. They'll be coming. Counselors will be coming. I'm going to ask those who've made decisions in earlier services. We didn't introduce you. Maybe you joined our church the last week or so, and you've not been introduced to this church family. Come be seated down here to your right where it says seating for new members. Maybe you were baptized this morning or some other service. You come be seated where it says seating for new members. Your invitation to say yes to Jesus. Won't you do that? Would you prepare in your heart? Would you say, Lord, even as I stand, my standing is a determination to walk with you at this invitation time. And let's stand together with heads bowed and with eyes closed. Father in heaven, I pray, trusting that your Holy Spirit will bring to this altar all who will honor you by being obedient to you and to your Holy Spirit. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.